Hello, I'm Linda Seif from The Layered Onion. Thank you for joining us. We will be listening to our amazing creators talk about their art and mental health. 48 million artists all over the world share this lived experience. The Layered Onion was formed to create a supportive community, allowing the creators to focus on their art, bringing their work from the shadows to receive the recognition and opportunities they deserve. Each podcast will feature an artist who talks about their creations and mental wellness. Art is healing. We hope these discussions will inspire you to appreciate the stories behind the creations and more importantly, inspire your inner creator. Together, we can tackle the stigma surrounding mental health. Hi there, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. Well, Alicia, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, my name is Alicia. I am an artist and a writer, and I am now on the path of becoming a deaf doula. Um, I was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder when I was 26. I just turned 37 um, last week. Um, so uh-huh. now I am living with that and it helped me to face my mortality um, when I was diagnosed. So that I think led me on the path of becoming a deaf doula, but art was what saved me. Why don't we talk a little bit about um, how art, you said art was really healing and helpful for you. Maybe talk about the kind of art that you did or the kind of writing do you do? Do you do poetry, um, short stories? Maybe talk a little bit about the types of art you do. Okay, um, I do abstract art, a lot of colors and shapes. I think that's the way my mind processes things through color and shapes. Um, So when I started doing art, I was younger. I started doing art in elementary and then I stopped. Um, I've always been kind of the type of person who would bounce from thing to thing. But art had always been consistent. And throughout my life, throughout my life's journey. Um, And then when I went, when I was first hospitalized, we did art therapy. And, Uh, you know, they do art therapy and it all started coming back. And so when I went home um, from the hospital, I started dabbling in art again. And I just started painting. I watched Bob Ross and I tried to paint, like follow along with him. And my stuff would always just come out abstract. And I would feel that I wasn't a good artist because I wasn't painting like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always had like a little bit of low self-esteem, I think, when it came to my art, um, because I was feeling like I'm not as I'm not painting like what I see online or what I see in the museums. I was painting just colors and shapes and backgrounds. And so... But it was very therapeutic for me because it just, it was like my mind would silence itself when I was painting. You know, it's amazing how um, therapeutic art can be. Uh, I, I definitely use art and painting, you know, when I really am having a hard time processing something. And mine always comes out abstract as well. Uh <laughs> So I think there's something about not being under rules, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is helpful. 
so maybe talk about the kind of writing that you do. Well, I write poetry, but I also, um, during my time, I've actually been on um, dis long-term disability um, because of my diagnosis. So during my time um, off, I guess you can say, I wrote a book. Oh, um, you did? What's yeah, the name of the book? It's called Well, Kind of, but Not Really. Um, it's not published yet, but it's basically about my life. And it's like a spiritual journey. It tells stories that I experienced in life. And then it talks about like anxiety. It talks about love. It talks about fear. It talks about all these different emotions that we experience during life. Um, and it talks about how I got through them. So it's I, I call it a spiritual journey. Um, and it's something that I'm still like editing and going through the process of doing. But it was it just kind of flowed. And it came out of me. And um, yeah, I've been writing. Writing has also been very helpful through this journey as well. Well, that's super exciting. Um, one of our artists just had a book signing this weekend for a, a book that they wrote. So maybe oh, wow. that, yeah, so maybe we'll go to a book signing of yours, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so that's exciting. So maybe then kind of talk a little bit how you got you said that you, um, through your diagnosis and your hospitalization, you really found a tie in thinking about mortality, and that led you to this idea of being a death doula that you just finished training for. Maybe kind of talk a little bit about that path. I was... I always thought about the concept of my own mortality. Um, I think during depression, you kind of tend to think about the end of life and how it will happen for you and things like that. And I thought about that often. I thought about the concept of why I'm here. What is my purpose? Um, what is it like after we die? I, I have, I read so many books on it. I think about it constantly. And, um, last year I started volunteering for hospice. Um, and I became, and I like, I got, like really into it um and as i was volunteering i was watching a show i think it was called wellness it was on netflix and there was an episode with a death doula on it and i said oh wow that's a that's a career path i didn't know that was a thing and because i had already become so into hospice i figured this is what i want to do um I started looking into doing research on deaf doulas and how to become a deaf doula. And it just kind of flowed from there. And I felt like it all kind of intertwines art and writing and death. I feel like it's all one big combination of things, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. It does for sure. So maybe tell me a little bit, what was the training like? What is the training like? The, I did training with um, um, DDLA. It's uh, Deaf Doula LA in Los Angeles. And I, my tr teacher her, or trainer, her name was Jill Shock. And she taught us everything about death and dying. She taught us the, um, some philosophers like um, Kierkegaard. She taught us about Sheldon Solomon, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She started in the beginning and she taught us the history of death and dying. She showed us um, how ancient burials began and how we got to where we are now. 
And then we talked about hospice. We talked about different types of burials. Um, like there's green burials where you can be um, planted into a tree. Um, you can be made into a diamond. There's water, water cremation. There's all types of ways to die. And um, the training was, it was intense, um, but it was very, very informative. I learned a lot. So why do you think people have such a, one of the things when I was doing research on a death doula is really helping people and facilitating the ability to talk about the dying process and talking to your loved ones. Why is that so difficult for people to talk about, do you think? One thing I think about, the one thing about death is that it happens to all of us. And I think that that's scary because we don't know how it's going to happen and we don't know when. Um, I think the fear of the unknown is what sh makes people shy away from it. And it can happen suddenly. It can happen tonight. It can, you know, it, I can get, you know, it can happen in any way we don't know. And I think it's the fear. I think it's the, what if I don't have my life together? What if I haven't accomplished everything? But I, I kind of believe that when we go, we've already accomplished what we were supposed to. And I, I don't want to sound insensitive because I know there are sometimes things that, you know, people that go very young and things like that. But I kind of believe that when I go, if I was to go now that maybe I've accomplished my mission, maybe my mission was to help someone across the street and that's what I came here for. And then I can go now, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think about things like that and that's kind of how I'm very comfortable with death and dying. And I've always kind of been that way. And I think if we kind of started looking at death with a fresh pair of eyes and like getting more comfortable with it, maybe everybody would be able to talk about it because it's, it's none of us leave here alive. And I think that's the scariest part about existing really. And I know that for, uh, I have to say that I have strong, um, thoughts about this topic as well, because uh, as I told you before, I think often we treat our pets with more dignity in the dying process than we do with people. And it is, I think what you said, it's the fear. Mm -hmm. And I often hear people say, I wish I would have said X, or I wish I would have said Y. And my old father lived with us until he passed. And he actually passed very suddenly, even though he was 92. And I felt very much my biggest regret was the fact that I still hadn't asked him all the questions that I wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe tell me a little bit about sort of the philosophy of being a death doula when you approach somebody who's at the end of life. I think the philosophy is to comfort someone at the end of life because it's scary, you know. Um, none of us know what happens when we die. You know, even me as a deaf doula, I'm simply just guiding someone into their transition. And there are different aspects to it. Um, my duty is to comfort the person if they have questions and I have an answer for them I will 
do the best I can to give them an answer. But there's only so much I can tell a person about death, you know, from what I've learned. It's, you know, if they have unresolved issues with family or if they have questions or things they want to say, I would tell them, write letters write letters to your loved ones. And, and, um, that's one of the things I want to do as a deaf tool is leave behind legacy projects uh, for, for people to be remembered, you know, for their kids or their grandchildren or anyone to look back and say, Oh, this is what grandma was trying to tell me, or this is what grandma wanted to, grandma wanted to say to me then, or, and she couldn't, you know, um, it's just creating memories at that t at that precious time in your life um in school they taught us that death and birth are similar because you're in labor in both um both situations you're in when you're dying you're in a labor you're trying to leave your body and when you're in birth when you're having when you're having a child you're coming in to the world so it's you know they taught us that they're similar and um i think it's death and birth should be treated and celebrated in the same way mm -hmm. um alicia maybe talk a little bit about some of those legacy projects do you use art and writing some of your um talents with art therapy or things to help them in these legacy projects yes art therapy like um we can create paintings to leave behind and um since I do the abstract style, you know, just create maybe an abstract. I can teach them how to do my style of painting um, to leave behind um, legacy projects. Um, one of the legacy projects I've worked on with my hospice patient, um, she had things from the year she was born all the way up until this year. And like movie tickets and birth certificate and baby showers from when she was born she had everything and we put it in a folder and she made copies of everything and then we mailed it off to her family members and things like that like records and letters and interviews and questionnaires um and we put it together and that way the family can always look back at it or and remember and 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 see unanswered questions or see pictures that they never saw or see things have memories this is really important work that you're doing um oh, i'm thinking you. i'm thinking about what you and you know one of the things we i ended up looking through some photographs after my dad passed and i really thought oh i wonder what he was thinking on that trip it was before he was married and it was him with another guy and they'd look like they went to they went to national parks right and I sort of heard loosely about it, but, you know, he was young. He was, you know, they look at, they were hiking or whatever they were doing. And you think, oh, that's such a different part of them that you didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And what a gift to have gotten it sort of in a package. So you can kind of see what they thought was important. Of course. And I think... Even as we're living, we don't have to be dying to do our own legacy projects. I've even started working on my own. I save, move, like when I go to the movies, I save the ticket stubs. Um, I print pictures from my phone and I started putting them in a photo album. Because, uh, you know, nowadays we don't really necessarily do that as often. Right, right. Um, 
you just save things, um, write letters to your future. And, and when you have a picture, right? Oh, this is when we did this and this is how I felt, write your emotions. And that way, like you said, you, you said, you wonder how he felt on that trip. You can write. So when they look at your pictures, they can say, oh, I wonder how she felt when this was going on or that at just write your emotions and write your feelings and just start creating your legacy project now. And that way, when you're coming close to the end, it's already done and it's already ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, and, or it's already halfway worked on and then we can just step in and help you finish it. You know, um, I, I highly suggest starting it now. Because uh, I've started mine and I think it's a good idea to start. And Just I have a little, little more things. gray hair than you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean you specifically. I mean anyone. No, I'm I just giving you a hard time. But, but <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Keep, but I, I think about this a lot myself. And one of the things I um, ponder, like you said, is is what is the reason we were on earth and I loved when you said maybe when it's your time that you accomplish whatever it was and I think there's great comfort in that thought I'm gonna keep I'm gonna hang on to that so oh, you know. I hope you do Good. yeah that was really lovely so maybe talk a little bit for me about the whole term doula because you know we I, a lot of people hear of of birth doulas and um, death doulas. I've even heard of transitioning doulas. Um, but the term doula is Greek, and it comes from the word female slave. And mm-hmm. I know there's a little bit of uh, some people feel not so great about the word, and others sort of feel like they can mm-hmm. embrace it. Could you talk to me a little bit about what you think about the word and, and how you feel? Um, I'm comfortable with the word doula. I think it has different meanings for different people um there's also different um terms people can go by you can go by a midwife um you can go by an aide Mm -hmm. you know you don't necessarily have to go with the word doula if you're not comfortable with it i like the word doula because i like the way it flows. I like the way it sounds. Um, I don't necessarily go with every definition to every word. Um, some words have negative connotation and then you can flip that connotation and make it into something positive. So, um, midwives are here to help you. And another word for midwife is doula. So it doesn't have to be necessarily a slave. It's an aid, you know, um, so I, I, what I was going to, you made me think of this, that, you know, doula is, it is a flowing word. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it's really to give emotional and physical support. And I know a lot of communities and a lot of different folks don't feel comfortable with the formal medical community. And the idea of a doula or someone to help with that emotional and physical support um, and is, is, I think, gaining popularity because the medical community can sometimes feel very cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I also think that the medical community can help you 
if you have the right team and if you the thing with that is that you have to do your research and you have to be able to be your own advocate because if you're not then you're probably not going to get the help you need until it's too late and i think that's what these communities are here for birth doulas deaf doulas um any kind of people that are here to assist the medical community in a, in a way because they're busy they see you know patients in and out all day and we necessarily don't we have clientele you know we just come as come and go as on our own schedule so it's more free-flowing and a little less stressful so mm -hmm. i think um we can all just kind of work together to make things easier well, I think what a beautiful gift that you're giving to folks that are are transitioning to the the next laboring to the next phase and being there and using both art and written therapy and creating these legacy journals. That's a true gift and thank you for doing that. I really <laughs> I think that's really wonderful and I hope that people learn about the whole idea of a death doula and um i'm gonna have you know that i hadn't really thought about it i i obviously had thought about end of life but i think i think this is just really a wonderful thing you're doing thank you that's very kind of you to say and i think what you're doing is wonderful as well <laughs> well you know it's my passion because i'm somebody with lived experience to you know a, a person who an artist with lived experience that we really help each other and create a community that can can support each other. You know, I think it's important. And and so if that's my gift to give, I hope that that, you know, um, helps some folks for sure. So, mm -hmm. well, what I would love is if you would share with us maybe some of your art or some of your writing, I think that would be great. And um, we would would love to talk to you more. And when you get your book published, would love to talk to you more about your book. Yes, I will definitely share something with you when I have when I have when I get home or you know later on. I can share. I wrote a poem about death, actually. So oh, that would, would be lovely. To, yeah, I would love to share more with you and um, keep in touch with you. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I have a final question to ask you. And I like to ask this question because I think, especially for you, who've really thought a lot about end of life, if you were going to give advice to your eight or 10 year old self, what advice would you give looking back now all that you know? Don't, I would tell my t eight to 10 year old self, don't let the opinions of other people hold you back and to not listen to the voices, I guess. I think those are the two main things that held me back um, as a child. And I think those are the two things I would go back and, and I would give her a hug. Oh, a really, that's a, a lovely really, thought. Give her a, a hug. really big hug. Yeah. Yeah. I think that 
that is a common theme I hear is that they don't listen to the naysayers. You know, follow your own path. And it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is, especially as a child and a teenager and all, you know, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes why I ask the 8 to 10 year old is because I think sometimes trying to tell our, our teenage self, um, I'm not sure that we could hear us. <laughs> mm, very true. <laughs> Maybe we would hear our eight to, our eight to ten year old would hear us <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me. I'm so excited that that we got to talk. Um, this is a topic I've never talked about, so I'm just I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Yes, and we'll look forward to hearing more. So, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. It is an honor to talk with these amazing creators. You can see and read the artist's work in The Shallot, our journal of mental health, art, and literature, or on our website, thelairedonion.com. Thank you. A little